I've been doing this nine years. And I used to, I, I started out the company as, our slogan was educating the homeowner. But the sad thing is, is nobody wants to know what's going on in the home. They don't want to know. They, they, they think it's going to go away on its own. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 152 with Chad DeShane. Chad DeShane is a building inspector who is usually called in when issues like air quality, mold, and moisture have gotten out of control. Chad is here to blow the whistle on some of the standard tiny house building methods and share some common problems he sees in buildings large and small. Plus, Chad will share the one system that every tiny house must have. Chad has kindly shared lots of photographs to go along with this interview, and you can find them on the show notes page at thetinyhouse.net slash 152. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 152. I want to tell you about something that I think will be super helpful as you plan, design, and build your tiny house. Tiny House Decisions is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It comes in three different packages to help you on your unique tiny house journey. And if you're struggling to just figure out the systems for your tiny house, you know, like how you're going to heat it, how you're going to plumb it, you know, what construction technique are you going to use, like sips or stick framing or steel framing, Tiny House Decisions will take you through all these processes systematically and help you come up with a design that works for you. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions. For listeners of the show, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more and use the coupon code TINY at checkout for 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. I am here with Chad DeShane. Chad is a building inspector who began researching tiny homes after he was introduced to the tiny house movement while watching the minimalist documentary on Netflix. Being interested in the minimalist lifestyle himself, Chad began looking into tiny homes and was surprised and concerned to learn that there were really no building safety code regulations. As a licensed building inspector for the past nine years in Canada, Chad has experienced and seen firsthand the numerous construction deficiencies and hazards that can happen in buildings both old and new, even when there are building regulations in place. Chad has been committed to educate others since his personal experience with mold, which affected the health and well-being of his two sons when they were at a young age. Chad believes that education is the key to fixing this problem, both with tiny home builders and tiny home owners. Chad DeShane, welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Uh, hello, how are you doing, Ethan? Thanks very much for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, to be on your show, and uh, I think uh, this has been a long time in the works to have something like this from my world share this with your uh, listeners. Yeah, well, I, I'll share that I think we first got in touch maybe a year ago, like right around the start of COVID, and, and that kind of blew up everyone's schedules. So I'm glad that we're we're finally getting to connect on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I was curious, just to start, um, you know, what what do you do as a building inspector? You know, what does a building inspector do? Uh, what we do specifically, we look at... Um, 
all components of a building, from the smallest to the largest. You're looking at your building envelope. You're looking at your roof systems. It could be commercial, residential. We do inspections from schools, uh, look at environmental issues such as mold, uh, getting into homes itself. A lot of the homes that we inspect are after uh, a family's been in there within about two to three years. And a lot of these homes, majority of these homes are, are brand new homes. And a lot of these buildings and homes are never inspected, but there's one part of the, um, the system, the code inspectors, it's failing, you know, the homeowner or the building owner. And, and it really plays, uh, it affects us personally as well, because we see what happens and there's a lot of systems that are failing and it's unfortunate. Everything that we see is preventable. And most of these issues are from original construction. So this is where we find it's so important to educate people for them to have as much knowledge as possible when they're, when they're going to buy a home or they're working with a builder in case the builder doesn't know or, you know, if they're not, if they, if they don't need to implement certain devices or mechanical devices into a home, especially tiny homes, this mm -hmm. is where we, I have seen huge issues, big issues, yeah, and uh, and we need to we we need to fix that. So so is what you're doing mostly, you know, whether it's with tiny homes or or other homes, are you getting called in like after the fact when things you know when things have gone wrong? Is that primarily kind of what your what your role is? Yeah, uh, yeah, we started out with like the pre purchase purchase inspections of homes and everything else like that. And we've gone away from that because, um, you know, in that type of environment, people don't want to know. They look at a new home or a new building, uh -huh. and it's almost like we're, we're, we're talking to a brick wall sometimes, and it's unfortunate where because people have that mindset is, hey, this is a brand new building or a brand new home, and it doesn't need to be inspected. Mm. So this is where we specialize afterwards. Um, and we try to explain to people, you know, this home or building is only new because of the materials. It's the workmanship that we need to inspect right from the get-go. So they have an upper hand, so they have something to stand on and to be protected prior to dealing with all the issues right, right. in the future. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we could start. Um, could you share, you know, you mentioned in your bio that you had a firsthand experience with with a mold issue uh, in your own home. So, um, you know, what, what caused it and, and what happened? Yeah, so what is happening, it wasn't in my personal home. It was, um, it was in my son's mother's home where mm -hmm. uh, we separated. She purchased a new home and they had it inspected and everything else. And my kids would be with me every other week. And I seen their regular cold symptoms whenever they would come back to my house but within like 24 hours their symptoms would be gone so realizing that hey there's something going on in that environment they're in at their mother's house which was inspected uh, prior to purchasing it and i found out there was a, a leak in basement and then they had to do air quality testing then they had extensive amount of mold in the home that they couldn't see at the surface but environmentally it, the air spores, the mold spores were going throughout the home. And now that my sons are in their 
early 20s and late teens, they have health issues such as asthma and major allergies towards mold. And it gets worse and worse the older they get. And mm-hmm. something like that is preventable 100%. So I have a, you know, it's my personal story. And I don't want people to go through what my kids have gone through. But, uh-huh. you know, I still see it regularly. Yeah. Wow. So um, what are maybe some of the common issues that you see with with tiny home construction? Um, I know that's a pretty, pretty broad question, but um, yeah. What, what are some of the common issues that, that you've seen? You know, the biggest thing that I see, and I could tell a tiny home builder knows what they're doing, you know, possibly has a better idea what kind of mechanical devices they have to implement in these homes. The number one thing is an air exchange system. All tiny homes have to have an air exchange system. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those topics where people will say, uh, I've shared my comments on like Facebook forums on tiny homes and everything else and other forums in regards to, you know, you need to circulate that air in your home. And people will say, well, we've got ventilation fans in our bathroom and over the hood in the kitchen. Well, that's exhausting your air. You're not having that air being recirculated within the home. And the most important time to have this is in the cooler months. Because what happens is people are not going to have their windows wide open when it's wintertime and it's minus 20. It depends on where they're located. Yeah. And what happens is, I say it as simple as this, and for people to understand it. When you put a plastic bag over your head you're, and you start breathing, what happens? Condensation. So you're suffocating. So basically your home is suffocating in those time frames of, in those seasons. Because what's happening is in new home construction, all these tiny homes, most of these tiny homes are being built with the same materials with the, the new homes are being built with. Well, our new homes today are being built so airtight. And this is why they have to have an air exchange system. Like it's required. You have to have an air exchange system in your home. So it's bringing in fresh air and it's exhausting the stale air so that home is breathing properly. When we had homes built in the 70s and 80s, we had no issues. You know, there was no issues with mold and everything else like that because our homes were breathing, but they weren't efficient. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest topics that I see and people need to have that education, to have that knowledge when they're looking for a builder, you know, to make sure that that builder, no matter what, it shouldn't be a choice of the, the homeowner. Right. That should be a requirement. The home, the home builder needs to educate their client. You know, this is, you need this right. component in your home to be, to be healthy and safe. So you're kind of likening it to like, you don't get to choose whether your car comes with seatbelts and airbags or not. You know, they just do. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, so I'm located in, in Northern Vermont, so I have a pretty cold climate as well. And, you know, (laughs) I've kind of developed this theory that, you know, a tiny house kind of pushes, it really pushes your building envelope. It pushes, it pushes the envelope, (laughs) um, you know, just in terms of, you know, you're going to be living inside of this tiny space, this tiny airspace. And, and you've mentioned the importance of, of an air exchange system to get 
that fresh air in and the stale air out. Yes. And then, you know, another thing that, that I've seen, and I'm curious if, if this is something you've seen as well, is just issues with moisture, you know, getting into the walls, you know, so moisture building up inside of the walls rather than, you know, in the airspace, but actually damaging the insulation, creating mold, as you said, and, and maybe uh, even. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? Can an air exchanger solve that alone or is there something else that's needed? Well, no, that's, that's another issue. So majority uh, of those issues come from if a vapor barrier is being used in that building practice. Mm-hmm. So va- you have vapor barrier with insulation. But again, if that vapor barrier is not sealed properly and right. you're having, you know, people are using tuck tape or they're using acoustic sealant. But again, you have to have, everything has to be done perfect for that, for that to be done properly, such as there can't be any dust on the vapor barrier, on the wall material. So what happens is, I'm going to say 99.9% of buildings that we test that have vapor barrier, acoustic sealant, or tuck tape, which, you know, tuck tape is really not allowed in, in, in our area. And uh, so acoustic sealant, which nickname is death sealant because, you know, it's black and because it's never applied properly. So you're fighting against, okay, is it at the right temperature to apply it at? How old is it? Is it expired? Is it being applied to areas that are all clean, free of dust? I mean, when you're in new construction, I mean, you have all those components. You have all the dust. You know, it's not going to be able to be applied properly. And like some of the images I sent to you and it shows, those are the issues that arise that arise out of this type of application, and and we've never seen it done perfectly. So again, in tiny homes, you know, there's other systems that should be used, building practices, other than you know, there's some that should not because of the issues with walls. So you have your warm air on your living space meets cold air from your exterior wall. It meets together. It condensates. And then that's what, if you have bad insulation, and then that bad insulation becomes, uh-huh. you know, there's no more R value in it because it's getting wet because air will go actually flow through bad insulation. And then usually we're using OSB or plywood. But again, then it creates mold growth because it's growing on that organic material. Mm. I'm curious, um, you know, you you say that you know workmanship is the issue and um you know it's not necessarily the materials fault it's it's how they're being used and i'm just curious you know if if perfection is is required for these airtight homes you know the vapor barrier has to be perfect you know is there is there a different solution is there an easier solution uh, because i it you know it seems to me that that very few builders are ever going to achieve, you know, perfection in their buildings. Yeah. And you know what? There's, there's only one system. I believe, you know, looking at the history of the system and it's the fifth wall system, the panel system. So, Mm -hmm. you know, structurally insulated panel, that is the only way to go because you're building 
this home on a trailer. It's yeah. not like it's on a foundation. And, you know, these are the obstacles that we have to think of and the importance of it. Yeah. So, um, again, I was, I was introduced to um, the minimalist tiny home out of Quebec, JP mm. uh, and, and Elise uh, yeah. from the minimalist tiny homes. And I have to say, they're probably the first company I watched on YouTube after watching the minimalist documentary and how they build their homes and even the materials that they use on the exterior and interior. Like I, I have to say, you know, they have a down pat. They, they know what they're doing and they, they introduce the air exchange systems and you know, it's not a choice from the client as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've talked to JP on a few phone calls and we get right into it and it, it's really, it's refreshing to hear when contractors and builders are doing the, the things that they are doing, you know, there's good and there's bad in, on everything. But again, on my experience so far with even new homes, you know, there's, there's not, there's not only a, the failing systems of, you know, okay, the building practices, the builders, um, the materials, how it's applied, but it's also too, is, you know, in, in a lot of the buildings that we inspect where it's all regulated, the code inspectors, they, they, don't, they don't inspect it properly. They, they don't catch it. But again, guess who, who pays that ultimate price with stress and financial loss is the homeowner. And, it, it's, yeah. and it, it, it's very upsetting for me personally because I, I see, you know, up front, I see the stress of these families. I've had, I've had wives and mothers just mm-hmm. break down in front of me because and how much stress they're under. And yeah. nobody wants to take responsibility. And, it, and it, it's hard to see that. Yeah. And, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing this nine years. And I used to, I, I started out the company as, our slogan was educating the homeowner. But the sad thing was, is nobody wants to know what's going on in their home. Mm. They don't want to know. They, they, they think it's going to go away on its own. Right. It's kind of like, I, if I can't see it, I don't want to know because it just, it sounds like it's going to be expensive to fix. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But just going, going back to, to what you said earlier, um, we've definitely talked about SIPs on this podcast before, but it's been a little while. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, for somebody who maybe started listening in the last couple of months, um, could you just explain, you know, what SIPs are and why, why it is that they're better? I mean, you're looking at, so you have your, you know, your being a structurally insulated panel. So basically you have that solid piece of foam in there for your insulation has a better R value. It depends on the thickness of your walls mm-hmm. and your ceiling. You could have a thicker ceiling. So basically what, what makes it best is because you can't have, you know, so you think there's no vapor barrier. There's no vapor barrier. So if it gets punctured, if you've got airflow in there, it's not going to cause all that condensation within that wall because there's, there's no chance for that to happen yeah. in that type of system. Got it. So it's, um, so, so Let me go ahead. No, no. Um, so, so basically you're, you're looking at when you have, again, most importantly, your exterior walls on, on a tiny home, it's all exterior walls, the roof uh-huh. floor and, and your 
and your sidewalls. So, so basically, if there's no vapor barrier uh, that's done properly, or maybe they don't include it, you're not you're you're asking for you're asking for a complete headache. And yeah. where your construction of your home, as the pictures you showed me last week of that one home, you know, it was it's perfectly you no know, three years. I said when all these items are not done properly, it's going to take two to three years until people are going to start noticing these issues. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Chad is, is referring just for those listening to, I guess it, it's going to be last week's guest, Chris Murphy. So this is actually a great, this is a great interview to follow that because um, listeners will have just been introduced to that, to that home and seen those pictures. So, you know, I bought, you know, from, I'm, I don't know if you've talked to JP from the Minimalist in regards to the practices and why they use the stick, but uh-huh. you know that's that's the only that's the only system that should be used. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, there's spray foam, you know, with the the cell spray foam. Well, again, the product is great, depends, right? And a lot of people don't like it because of the off gassing and everything else like uh-huh. that. But again. The big issue that we find is the application. How is it applied? Again, we're going back to workmanship. We've we've yeah. we've been in, we've been called by homeowners like with conventional homes that they're doing their due diligence. They're thinking, hey, we want to make sure we did a great job for our client, and this is could be done on a tiny home as well. But if it's not done right, you could have bigger issues than just mm-hmm. as regular vapor barrier and batted insulation. Mm-hmm. So again, this is where I always go back to the SIP system. Uh, I would say for tiny homes, that's probably the only system that should be used for tiny homes. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So, you know, I had written down the question and I guess you've already answered it, which is, you know, if you were going to build a tiny home for yourself, you know, what system would you use? And it sounds like resoundingly SIPs. SIPs. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, all the way. Is there an air exchange system that you that you like for tiny houses? You know, you have you know what's most popular air exchange system out there that I've been introduced from the beginning is the Lunos. Uh-huh. And then actually talking to GP, the minimalists they used to use the Lunos a lot, and I've talked to those companies and. You know, it's a great unit. Um, then I was introduced to, a, there's another one, it's called the Bloom, Bloomberg, or the Bloomberg. Bloomberg, yeah. Bloomberg? Yeah, I think it's another um, European air exchange system. Yep. But again, it goes down to colder temperatures. So again, yep. up here in Canada, I mean, that is great. So I got a lot of more info on that system from JP last week, actually, when I spoke to him. Yeah. Um, because I noticed that they, they started out with the Lunos, but they changed that since then. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, I've also seen a lot of, you know, praise of the Lunos system, though, um, mm-hmm. you know, the criticism that I've heard of it is that it's it's only 10 CFM, so 10 cubic feet per minute per pair. And so it doesn't actually move as much air as the current standards require. 
Okay, is that it depends on what model because they have a few sure. different models. Yes, I'm sure there are right? some different so, models. Yeah. Yeah. So it it all depends. Again, that's the part where everyone needs to really do their own due diligence to yep. make sure they have the right components. But the biggest thing for me is everyone needs to know looking at a tiny home and the builder, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many homes I see, they don't have any air exchange. You know, you have right. to look on each end of the home. They have to have that. If they don't have that, that should be a red flag for everyone right, right. there. Right. Because the, the, the upsetting thing, you know, getting in, introduced to the whole tiny home movement say, four years ago, I went yep. to a specific builder. Again, I'm not going to say any names, of course. Um, and I volunteered my time to them. And I said, you know what? I'll come here. I'll come with all my equipment. And we'll, we'll show you. And I, and I try to explain to them what type of components they need to implement into their homes, which is, you know, is necessary for a safe and healthy home for their clients. Uh-huh. And what they replied to me, and they said, you know what? Well, if our clients want one, we'll put one in. I said, no, no, no. You, as the builder, need to educate your clients. Right. Because what their clients are doing, they're looking at the cosmetics. They're looking, wow, this is cute. Look at the white paint. Well, you know what? That's not going to matter in about two to three years when things are rotting and you have an unhealthy home to be in. And, yeah. you're, and it's making you or your kids sick. So again, these are the these are the things that really have to change, and I've been trying to do this. And I've done it to I've offered my time, volunteer my time, to some builders. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, there's only one builder that was open to this, actually, because they're so far away. But they do it already, mm-hmm. and that would be the minimalist tiny home. They do this already to specific. They they do it yep. to so many homes. They do a blow door test to see what kind of air change per hour is in that home, how airtight it is. Uh-huh. So they do a lot of things that a lot of builders don't do. Yeah. Because I, I feel it, it's all about the quick buck. It is. And not only, you know, air exchange, there's really, I mean, you got to really pay attention to is the main system to that house is that roof. Your roof is your mm-hmm. protector. That's the key component to any home. When I see, ex- you know, sheet metal, when people install sheet metal with exposed fasteners, uh-huh. that's a nightmare waiting to happen. And you know what? As long as the homeowner understands and, and understands right. the, you know, the maintenance that that type of roof system requires to avoid any yep. issues, water leaks, we see it all the time. And you know what? The reason why people, sorry. Well, I was going to, I wanted to slow you down there because I know why it's a problem. But, um, so what Chad is talking about is, you know, your, your metal, your sheet metal that so many people put on tiny house roofs and walls for that matter, um, that have these exposed fasteners. So they're little, they're screws that have a bolt head and then there's usually a little neoprene washer. And so... Correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, but what I guess what you're referring to is that over time, those washers break down. They actually need to be replaced. Um, otherwise, you have a roof with a thousand tiny holes in it that's going to start to leak. Actually, yeah, absolutely. So again, there's there's more to it just in the washers. And uh-huh. again, I have to apologize in advance. I get you know I get really involved with 
what I see and I remember what's all the inspections we've done. Yeah. And, you know, I get a little excited and uh, you, you may have to stop me. <laughs> well, you know, I just, you know, uh, that's down. good. I, I like your passion and I, you know, I, I'll try to slow you down when I feel like something, you know, we got to <laughs> slow it down and explain to the listeners what you're talking sure. about. Absolutely. So what happens is you have a few different reasons why exports fasteners should not never be on the roof of a tiny home or even the sidewalls is because one, as you mentioned, Ethan, is the gasket. But also two is again getting into the workmanship where if those screws are stripped and if they are over tightened, also two is what happens is through weather conditions with when they change, that metal will twist and bind will actually pop right over the fastener or the fastener will actually extract out of the roof. Wow. That sounds even worse. So uh, that's why I sent you, I sent you, a, I sent you a few pictures showing you of the fasteners itself actually extracting themselves out of the yep. materials of the roof material. Yeah. And so those, um, Chad did send me a bunch of photos, um, including photos of some moisture issues in a wall and then some issues with roof fasteners. And those are all going to be up on the show notes episode or the show notes for this episode, which is going to be the tiny house.net slash one five two. Um, cause this is episode number one fifty two. So just for anyone listening who wants to see some photos, there are a lot of really good photos that, that illustrate this at, at the tiny house.net slash one five two. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about tiny house decisions my signature guide, and the resource that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It starts with the big decisions, which is, you know, should you build a tiny house yourself or with help? Is a, is a pre-built shell a good idea? Um, is a house on wheels better than on the ground and what works better for you? Deciding on the overall size, deciding on whether you should use custom plans or pre-made plans, different types of trailers, and more. Uh, then in the in part two, we get into the system. So heat, water, showers, hot water, toilets, electrical, refrigeration, ventilation. And we're only two-thirds of the way through the book at this point. From systems, we go into construction decisions, talking about nails versus screws, sips versus stick framed versus advanced framing versus metal framing. Uh, we talk about how to construct a subfloor, sheathing, roofing materials, insulation, windows, flooring, kitchen. I know I'm just reading off the table of contents, but I just want to give you a sense of how comprehensive Tiny House Decisions is. Uh, it's a total of 170 pages. It contains tons of full-color drawings, diagrams, and resources, and it really is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions using the coupon code TINY when you head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's THD for Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's coupon code TINY when you check out at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Well, I was going to, I wanted to slow you down there because I know why it's a problem. But um, so what Chad is talking about is, you know, your, your metal your sheet metal that so many people put on tiny house roofs and walls for that matter um, that have these exposed fasteners. So they're little, they're screws that have a bolt head and then there's 
usually a little neoprene washer. And so correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, but what I guess what you're referring to is that over time, those washers break down. They actually need to be replaced. Um, otherwise, you have a roof with a thousand tiny holes in it that's going to start to leak. Actually, yeah, absolutely. So again, there's there's more to it just in the washers. And again, I have to apologize in uh-huh. advance. I get, you know, I get really involved with what I see and I remember with all the inspections we've done. Yeah. And, you know, I get a little excited and uh, you, you may have to stop me, <laughs> at, you know, to slow down. Well, you know, I just, that's good. I, I like your passion and I, you know, I, I'll try to slow you down when I feel like something, you know. <laughs> We got to slow it down and explain sure. to the listeners what you're talking about. Absolutely. So what happens is you have a few different um, reasons why exposed fasteners should not never be on the roof of a tiny home or even the sidewalls is because one, as you mentioned, Ethan, is the gasket, but also two is again getting into the workmanship where if those screws are stripped and if they are over tightened, also two is what happens is through weather conditions with, when they change, that metal will twist and bind and will actually pop right over the fastener or the fastener will actually extract out of the roof. Wow. That sounds even worse. So uh, that's why I sent, you, I, sent you a, I sent you a few pictures showing you of the fasteners itself actually extracting themselves out of the materials, of the yeah. roof material. Yeah. And so those, um, Chad did send me a bunch of photos, um, including photos of some moisture issues in a wall and then some issues with roof fasteners. And those are all going to be up on the show notes episode or the show notes for this episode, which is going to be the tinyhouse.net slash one five two. Um, cause this is episode number one fifty two. So just for anyone listening who wants to see some photos, there are a lot of really good photos that, that illustrate this at, at thetinyhouse.net slash 152. Yeah, actually, and just for all the listeners, if they look at the pictures, they'll say, hey, that's not a tiny home. No, a lot of these homes, but it's the same building practices that people are using on the tiny homes. So actually, we're going to actually be doing a, a full detailed inspection on a tiny home that they, uh, we met this um, young lady that has purchased this home that She's been in this home for a year and a half now. And we looked at it, and there's a lot of issues. And we need to help her, to educate her, to actually to catch this, to prevent any major issues so her home okay. could last a long time. And, you know, she spent an enormous amount of money on this home. You know, we're, we're uh-huh. talking over $150,000. That is a lot of money. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, it, it, for me personally, I have a real hard time when I hear these builders, they charge that type of money and they only offer a one-year warranty. And I'm like, you know what, if, if you're a good builder and you know your, your building practices are, are good and you really care about your clients, your warranty should be a lot longer than one year. Because you know what, you're yeah. not going to find the issues before that one year. Even after that one year. They're wiping their hands clean. They're done. They're not responsible. Yeah. And, and that, that's upsetting for me because, you know what, it's, um, I find that there's a lot of builders out there that are doing this, and they're just 
know, they're concerned about filling their pockets. And, but again, I'm hoping after all of this, you know, there's a lot of builders that will do the right thing, but again, they need to do their due diligence as a builder for their clients. They have to. So people, so the thing is, Today, our homes are making us sick. They're making us sick because, you know, we have issues environmentally, but a lot of times we don't know until, say, two to three years, even if it's a new home. So what happens is we want to spend all of our time most comfortable and safe. We feel in our homes with our families. But again, we're spending 90% of our time in our homes. And then what happens when we get sick? We spend that time going to the doctors, but the doctors will never ask you, okay, have you ever had a leak in your home? No, they're there just to manage what's going on with you. They'll give you some, some pills or whatever. Hopefully it goes away. We all have to pay attention to what's going on with our health when we're in our homes mm-hmm. from when we're away from our homes. So this is something, you know, again, on my personal side, where I notice with my boys and the amount of times that we've been to specialists and doctors and everything else, mold is 100% preventable, 100%. It should not exist yeah. in, in buildings or homes. But again, we have to make sure it's done properly and we need to maintain. Again, just because it's a tiny home, our homes, even tiny homes need to be maintained properly. But the homeowners need to be educated what they need to do to maintain that home. Yeah. So let's let's kind of shift gears to because I, I think you've made a really compelling, you know, case for this. What can I want to ask kind of two two things. The, f- the first main section is like for somebody who is currently maybe shopping for a tiny home or a used tiny home, you know, what kind of inspection um what kind of inspection should they do? Could they do it themselves or do they need to hire, you know, a professional? And then the second one that I want to ask later is just for somebody who's already in a tiny home, what kind of diagnostic things can they do to kind of see if their home has one of these problems and maybe catch it before it becomes, you know, a catastrophic mold problem? Yeah, you know, there's... Those are all those are all very good questions, and there's a lot you can do. So, in regards to, you know, if someone's in a home already, and you know, prior to say that one year passing of the warranty, depends on what their warranty is. I would have, you know, someone that is right, or maybe they built the house themselves. Yeah, yeah if they if they built the the house themselves, if if they see, you know, making sure, you know, it depends, you know, making sure if they feel drafts. First of all, they should have, if they don't have an air exchange system in there, they should have one installed. You know, and it doesn't uh-huh. matter. You know, they average about anywhere from twelve to $1,500. I tell you, that's going to be the best money you want to spend. Yeah. Basically, and then getting into, you know, to see if there's any issues, because you need to have specific tools. And I would, I would recommend people contacting a thermographer. So basically, they're trained in thermal imaging. It's not a piece of equipment uh-huh. that you could just turn it on. You need to understand what the image is telling you, and you need to always have verification, right? So uh-huh. just not about the thermal camera. You need to have verification. You know, is that air infiltration? Is that moisture? 
So you, you need that proof as well. So that's when you dig, if you have to dig a little bit deeper to find the cause of issues, what's going on. So thermal imaging on a tiny home would be a good thing because you're, especially if you have a, a, a metal roof with metal siding and with exposed fasteners, I, I highly, highly recommend someone uh, be called in. That's a trained thermographer. And also ask these people if they're trained in thermography. It's not a, just a point on, you know, just don't turn on the camera and shoot. Uh, take a look at whatever the building is. Um, there's a lot to that as well. So, so what, would that, what would that thermography tell you about the building? So you would, you would have different images such as, you know, more of, and it doesn't hurt understanding if you have a vapor barrier with that insulation, you could put a blower door system. If, if they do a blower door test on there, that's where you could see where all the air infiltration is. So basically that's where you'll have issues. So basically to do a thermal imaging, you could see if there's any moisture coming in with verification with the moisture tester, and then also to is with a blower door, it enhances air infiltration signatures. So having those two, those are the those are the key components to test that in a in a tiny home for sure. In any home. But in a tiny home, especially if they have that tin roof with exposed fasteners, I'd highly recommend that. You know, you want to catch a leak even before it becomes an issue. Got it. Got it. Um, so in a lot of the pictures that you've sent, especially the ones where, you know, you're, you're finding moisture and you're finding holes in the walls, you know, you've clearly had to remove the interior wall to get there. Are, are there any other diagnostics that, that a homeowner can do themselves? Like, let's say they just are like, oh, my house smells kind of, kind of funny, kind of musty. Is there, are there any like over-the-counter air tests or mm. air quality tests or things that people can do? No, you know what? You, you see a lot of that. You could pick up uh, an air sampling unit and test it. So that, I've heard a lot of clients doing that previous to calling us. So doing air quality testing, uh -huh. yes, you could do that. But also, too, is it all goes together with, like, say, thermal imaging. So all those pictures I sent to you, before we open up the walls to find these issues with the mold and the sheet device within the wall systems, we thermal scan that uh -huh. entire area to see, okay, so then we know we knew we had to go in a little bit deeper into our investigation. So getting to air quality okay. testing, I highly recommend to spend your money wisely to have a certified indoor air quality testing done completely. So they have their machine, it's calibrated. You know, you're doing that, you know, they offer these, they could sell them at Home Depot or any other home hardware, 10 to $15. Then it's not done properly. Then you have to send it to the lab. Uh -huh. um, there's so many different steps. If they're not done properly, uh, you're not going to get the proper uh -huh. readings that you need. Ah, uh, yes. So again, sometimes when it, if it's too, if it's really, if it seems like it really easy, um, then it, you know, there's more to it. It's, it's, um, I wouldn't recommend it personally. Um, that's where I just get recommendations of someone that just does that. 
Uh-huh. Actually, there's a lot of throughout throughout U.S. and Canada. There's a number of people that do air quality testing and that type of inspection with thermal imaging or even blower door. Right. But you know, these are the things that builders. These are the things that builders could actually show to their client. This is the steps that they take. I mean, that that's for the longevity of the business of the company. Sure. You know, and also too is if if a tiny home company, if a builder as a numbered company, that's another red flag. I see a lot of that where they end up um, going bankrupt or they they close that company. And then what happens is a few weeks later, they start a new company. Right. And they kind of escape the bad, uh, the bad reputation of the one name and then go on to the next name. Exactly. So it sounds like, um, I mean... If somebody listening is is maybe in the market for a used tiny house, because I know that that is also, you know, not everybody out there is is buying a brand new tiny house, you know, no. due to the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like you are recommending that you know somebody does, you know, hires a professional to do an inspection, blower door test, thermal imaging to make sure that the the house doesn't have these kinds of issues before they before they buy it. Yeah, so again, just because it, you know, there's uh say someone I used house. So again, for myself, I'd really look into that a little bit deeper. But maybe they found issues and that's why they want to sell it. Uh-huh. I run into that a lot. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so basically it's like I highly recommend if someone is looking at buying a used home that, you know, that's very important to get that inspected. I mean, you don't want to be caught with someone else's neglect or like the homeowner or the builder. Right. And, you know, and it's sad Mm. and it's very unfortunate. We, in the last few years, we've inspected brand new homes when these homeowners have been in there for a year, two years max. And we find the issues. Uh-huh. The reason why we're in there because they didn't have this home inspected because it was brand new. And they would say, "Well, why do we need this inspected? It's a brand new. We're buying it from the builder." Well, and then we explain to them, "This is why we're here right now because you want to catch these issues." So what happens is, and you know, they shouldn't be doing this, but this is what happens. They they fix the issues that. They found at the time that we inspected, and we we showed them all the proof. And what did they do? Mm-hmm. Um, they sold their house. They, pa- you know, it's like passing the buck. Nobody wants to pay. Yeah, to have that. You don't want to pay that ultimate price. And that's you know, it's sad. It is. And I see way too much of yeah. it. Yeah, see a lot. You know. So you know. Once a house is kind of built wrong, what what can people what can homeowners do? Because I'm unfortunately I I'm going to imagine that the majority of homeowners are going to find themselves in a situation where the ha- you know where they are having these issues rather than you know that their builder knew this in advance. So, what are the common techniques for kind of remediating these issues? Oof. So first of all, you need to know exactly 
the extent of it, like how much, you know, how much damage is there? Uh-huh. Like, uh, again, going back to those images you showed me, I'm sure they, uh-huh. they, they started off with one little area and then they exposed yeah. everything, right? So it's, um, there, there's a, there's, there's so much to make sure that things are done right. But again, uh-huh. this is, this is for your listeners to be at the beginning of the game of looking at at home or whatsoever. You want to yeah. catch all these issues, even if it costs you wherever, whatever area you're in, it's worth that mm-hmm. $200 to get it inspected. But again, yeah. to make sure that you're getting the right inspector as well. You know, just like I said, there's good builders. There's, there's not so good builders. Same thing with them. Yeah. inspection people are not as depends on how detailed they are how thorough they are you know how much experience they have so you like even with builders if someone's buying a, a new tiny home from a builder you know you want to ask how many how many homes have they built how many homes have they built where people have actually lived in it for like two to three winters mm-hmm. or you know two to three mm-hmm. years full time yeah. you know so again but if there's been an issue you know, there's not a perfect home. I mean, as humans, we're not perfect. So if there's mistakes, find out from their previous clients, how did they take, how were they taken care of if there was any issues that arise from their home? Were they taken care yeah. of or did they try to pass the buck? Or did they say, well, no, that's not yeah. our responsibility. So again, it's unfortunate, but again, this is your home. You're spending a lot of money in you want to make sure you're in a, in a healthy, safe environment. You know, I, I tell my clients, you know, there's three things in life. And I'll ask you, Ethan, uh, I'm sure you'll get it. There's three things in life that we spend the most money on and they're the most neglected. And the one of them is the most important. One is, is the number one in life. Can you guess those three? Our home. I'm oh. guessing it's, it's our homes, our cars. Uh, and the most neglected that we spend the most money on, uh, our kids. No, I don't know. Yeah. Ourselves, our own health. Ourselves. Oh, ourselves. Ah, absolutely. And you know what? You get a, you get a gold star for that. <laughs> no, All right, two out of three. Was yeah. I right on the cars? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, yeah. our homes, you know what? There, there's times that I'll go into a friend's home and they'll say, Chad, don't say anything. I don't want to know. And you know what? I'm like, hey, listen, I'm giving you, I'm trying to give you a free advice here. If I, if I had to talk to a lawyer or accountant, I'm getting charged by, you know, every minute or 30 minutes, you know, and it's like, this is free advice. And it's like, for me, it's like, I don't understand. So, you know, for the longest time, I've always said, you know what? There's a lot of people that could find issues, deficiencies in home. Um, but yeah. again, the yeah. reason why I created this company, so my company is dedicated to my two sons because of what they went through. Uh-huh. And I have, I, have a, I have a passion and mission to try to change things because a lot in the construction world with new construction, why are there so many issues? Even when in other, um, you know, in new properties, there, it is regulated. You have the code inspectors. Mm-hmm. But for me, Right. You know, this can continue. There's other inspectors out there. There has to be another path. And I, and I want to take that other path yeah. to, 
to, to educate people, but to show them because pictures say a million words. You know, I don't have yeah. to really say are anything. Are you available? Are you available, to, you know, for somebody listening, you know, if somebody hears this interview and wants to work with you, can you do this over like Zoom or video chat? Or do you really recommend that people find somebody local who, so they can actually step foot in that home? Oh, absolutely. You know what? Um, we, we do, I do consulting stuff, but the show, mm-hmm. like the Zoom, I could explain to them what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if, if they could, you know, and what I, I can make recommendations, what next steps they should do. We do a lot of that. And, um, you know, we're, we're absolutely open to that. Um, right now I'm looking Got at, it. I would love to travel the country and to, to go to tiny home builders or homeowners, you know, and so we could, we could change mm-hmm. this movement because you know what? I, I was dead on three to four years ago. I said, there's going to be a lot of issues with mold in the next few years and people are not going to realize it yeah. because when this whole new tiny home movement came in again, you know, being all over YouTube, you just saw this cute little, you know, home and it's like, wow, it, yeah. it more yeah. freedom. Right. But again, it doesn't change. It doesn't change if it's not done right. 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 Well, um, I, I'm very appreciative of, of the time that you've, you've spent here with me. Um, and, and I realized that I, I forgot to ask you a follow-up question from earlier. So I just want to briefly touch back on, on the roof sure. um, because you talked about the metal roof with exposed fasteners, you know, what, what style of roofing do you recommend for, for a tiny home? So again, being in a tiny home, we want to have materials to be, um, um, you know, to do as much preventable maintenance as possible or very little to no maintenance. So basically, standing yep. seam, a standing seam metal roof system, hands down. Yep. It, 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 same thing is you could use that same material on the walls itself. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, again, going uh-huh. back, going back to, you know, for people to go onto YouTube uh, and look at the minimalist tiny homes out of Quebec, this is what they do. These, these are their mm-hmm. building practices. And again, they do, they have it down pat. They know what they're doing. Yep. Yep. So I have a standing seam roof on my tiny home and I love it, but it is, that is a very expensive option. Is there, you know, if somebody really just can't afford to do the standing seam, but then they don't want to do the, the exposed metal fasteners, is there, you know, another roofing system that, you know, is kind of a, a budget pick, but is, is acceptable to you? You know, a, a shingled, uh, architectural shingles, you know, shingled roof, there's uh-huh. a lot less maintenance than there are to the metal roof with exposed fasteners. Those exposed fasteners, yeah. metal roof system, you have to check that twice a year, twice a year. So wow. once right, once before, you know, once at the end of, you know, summer where the most extreme heat from the twisting and binding mm-hmm. of the metal, mm-hmm. then right after winter. So again, after the most yeah. extreme winter uh, weather condition, you want to check those. But again, I would say all builders, all tiny home builders should get away from the metal exposed away from yeah. them. Yeah. The, and I know you said, I know oh. that it's, it's more costly for the standing steam, but again, think about that. That's, that's almost an insurance investment. So again, you know, as insurance, we don't, 
how stressful it is to deal with insurance companies. We don't want to contact insurance companies. We could prevent any issues. But again, shingled roof over metal roof with exposed fasteners. You know, I, I would recommend the shingles yeah. over that. Nice. Yeah. Well, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests, um, you know, is what are two or three, you know, books or other resources that people can check out if they, you know, want to learn more about this field or, you know, learn more about the science and, and what goes into it? You know what? I, I can't, I can't stay on the books. I'm not a, a, a book guy. I, I don't do much reading, um, but I would have to say, you know, you can, again, use a little Google and Google again, air mm-hmm. exchange system. Exchange system for tiny homes. Right. There's a lot of literature. There's a lot of info on there on the web. Uh-huh. Getting into again thermal uh, thermography, all that sort of thing. Or also too mm-hmm. is because we have a a website. Uh, we have a lot of images on there to show uh-huh. a lot of issues, and, and they could check that out. And if they have any other questions, you know, they could feel free to contact us. Um, that's that's what we're here for. Nice. Great. Well, Chad DeShane, thank you so much for, for spending the time and being so passionate about, about tiny homes. You know what? It's, 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 you know what? It is a passion of mine. And you know what? I have to say thank you for what you're doing, Ethan. This is, I mean, this has to get done. I've always said to people, we could change things. If we're a, a colony of ants, that gets things done. But if we're a single ant, it's a lot harder to get things accomplished. But if we get like-minded people to change this type of movement, to change these issues in these homes, it could be done. Anything is possible. Thank you so much to Chad DeShane for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including all the photographs that Chad shared with us and links to Chad's business and website at thetinyhouse.net slash 152. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 152. Also, don't forget to check out my signature resource and guide, Tiny House Decisions. You can get 20% off using the coupon code TINY when you visit thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD for Tiny House Decisions. Well, that's all for this week. I am your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.